what is fasting? The biblical fasting is the discipline of refraining from eating food or drinking water for a time to release the kingdom of God at the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a time of refraining from eating or drinking in order to release the kingdom of God. Um, Now, we're going to talk about why should we fast, because there's a lot of weird ideas about fasting and, and why we do it and what our motive should be. Fasting is incredibly significant in the Spirit. I don't believe you can come into the fullness of God's plan for you without walking in some level of fasting. What does the Bible say about fasting? And we're going to start in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. You guys probably remember this conversation. Religious leaders ask Jesus about fasting. Okay? The religious people always want to know, you know, what do we do on the outside to make ourselves look good? Okay? They're, they're always kind of missing it. They're always saying, what do I have to do to be right with God? Is it about doing things that makes us right with God, or is it about our hearts? Our hearts. Listen to what he said. John's disciples and the Pharisees sometimes fasted. One day, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Can you just hear the tone in their voice? You know, it's like, why aren't you guys spiritual? These guys are so spiritual, why aren't you spiritual? And this is what Jesus says in response. Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while they are with the groom. But someday he will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. How many people know who the groom is? Tell me, somebody. Jesus. So what he's saying is there's a season while I'm on earth that my followers aren't fasting because they're celebrating that I'm here. But when I go away, when I give my life on the cross, this is the translation, then my followers will fast. Okay. Now the interesting part about this, he didn't say maybe they'll fast. He didn't say if they feel like it, they'll fast. He said, if you're my follower, you will fast. Jesus is part of what he envisioned for his body. And we'll find out why in just a little bit. So Jesus commanded us to fast. He knew that we would be fasting. It's just a matter of time until we step into that reality. Go to um, Matthew 16, chapter 24. Matthew 16, chapter 24. Um, We need to hear what the Word of God says because that's what really shapes our hearts and deals with our flesh. This is what it says in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to His disciples, If any of you want to be My follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition. In another translation it says, Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Shoulder your cross and follow Me. If you want to be close to where Jesus is, if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to deny yourself. It is the absolute opposite of what the world tells you. The world tells you, don't deny yourself. In fact, even if you don't have the money, get it now. Even if you don't have the money and you, you, you want to have a relationship with that beautiful woman, take her now through porn. Take her now through masturbation. The world wants you to have what you want now. That's the lie of the devil. You can have what you want now, even if you can't pay for it. It's the absolute opposite of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you want to be close to me, my kingdom is nothing like this world. It's the opposite. That's how you can tell the difference between Jesus and what Satan says. 
Because what Satan says is always give it to you now, quick little buzz off of it right now with a lot of pain later. He's always trying to give you, and that's what sin is. Sin's like cancer. You, it's like, it's like candy-coated cancer. It's like, here, have yourself a Snickers bar. What you don't know is that once it gets inside of you, it, it, it knives come flashing out of it and it digs into your flesh and rips up your intestines and releases cancer into your body. And 20 years later or 30 years later, it'll take you out. That's how sin works. See the opposite here? Jesus wants you to deny your selfishness now. And receive everlasting joy, everlasting peace, being in the presence of God forever. You see the contrast between these two kingdoms? So he says, if you want to be with me, cut up your credit cards, shut off your porn, and walk this way. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And I'll tell you how. It, we, 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 have you noticed everything comes back to the gospel? It comes back to the gospel and this is how. This is how it comes back to the gospel. Before we knew God, we did whatever we wanted to. We were the center of the universe. How many people remember? I remember. Anybody else remember being the center of the universe? A lot of us are still there in lots of ways. We're still in the center. Even though we've said, Jesus, you're the center. God, you're the center. We, in reality, the way we live, we're the center. So... We start out, when we're in the kingdom of darkness, when we don't know God, the Bible says, we are living with us at the center and we do whatever we feel like, whenever we feel like it. Now, fortunately for most of us, we found out where that leads. That ultimately leads to total destruction of our lives. Some of us see that coming more than others. When we give our lives to God, what's supposed to happen is that we take ourselves out of the center... And we put God in the center. And from that moment on, we don't do what we want to do. We go to Him and ask Him what He wants us to do. That's the gospel. It's turning from a life where you were the center, you did whatever you want, to a life where God's the center, and now you do what He wants. Because the truth is, when you were over here, the reality was, you weren't really in charge of anything. You you were being tossed around by forces that you don't even comprehend. Satan can whip you into a... He can have you so deceived and so manipulated that you think you're running your own show. But the truth is that powers and principalities and wicked rulers in the heavenlies are absolutely orchestrating every step of your life. That's how deceived we can be. So the truth is, you're a slave of Satan. That's what the scriptures say. That before you came into the kingdom of God, you were a slave to Satan. That he had deceived you and hidden himself from you. You were absolutely being manipulated. And in another part of scripture it says in the Proverbs, there's a way before every man that seems right, but it leads to total destruction. That's the way. The way is outside of God's will. And so, to the extent we haven't made that true turning and made God the center, we're still bound up in this reality. But if you want to be close to Jesus, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to tell your flesh, you've got to die. Flesh, you have got to die. Because if you don't tell your flesh it's going to die, then the spirit dies. There are two things you can feed in your life. You're either going to feed your carnal flesh, which is that part of you that wants to do what it wants to do. I mean, you can just look at a little kid. I mean, my kids, they're mostly, we call them flesh balls lots of times. 
Because if they see sugar, guess what? They want it. They want it. They have absolutely they're not walking in the spirit at all. When they see something, they want it, they go get it. And unfortunately for many of us, we continue to live our lives that way even into our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, we're dead. And if we never make that transition from living in the flesh and to feed the flesh into the spirit, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. We will not inherit the kingdom of God. These promises that scripture say that your new creation is not hypothetical. It's real. But we have to cooperate in that process by denying ourselves and submitting to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, what would you have me do? How many know that fasting is denying yourself? Fasting brings you closer to Jesus because it's a picture of what He did. How many people know that Jesus denied His divinity? He denied it. He said, I am the Son of God. I'm seated at the right hand of God. I was there when the earth was formed. The universe was made. I was there. And yet he denied himself to go to the cross to give us a picture of what it's like. To give us a picture of what it's like. And so in fasting, what we're actually doing is we're entering into that reality. He's saying, be like me. Deny yourself. Deny the short-term, cheap thrills for the big payoff. For the big eternal payoff. Romans 6, 8. What's happening in Romans chapter 6 through 8 is Paul is speaking to the church and he's, he's describing this battle that's going on between the flesh and the spirit. That's what he's describing. He's saying, listen, you were born again. Now you have the Holy Spirit. It gives you the power to turn away from what your flesh used to do. It's not a bunch of rules we have to follow. It's not about that. Okay, What it's about is that the Spirit works in us and changes our desires from the inside out. It actually changes what our desires are. Some of those come immediately. We come into the kingdom and all of a sudden we don't have desires that we had before. When I got saved, I threw out all the alcohol and the marijuana. I threw it out and it was like I had no desire for it. I was instantly delivered. Then there were other things that took a little bit longer. Like having sex with women. I read through the whole Bible. I don't know how this happened. I read through the whole Bible and I couldn't find where it was wrong. (laughs) Now that goes to show you, you you get what you want to get out of here, right? There's a way you can read the Bible to get whatever you want to get out of it instead of what it really says. But about six months into that, the Holy Spirit brought conviction and said, that's not right. Now I have a choice at that point. I can say, I'm going to agree with what I feel like God is telling me, or I'm going to keep doing what I was doing. If you keep doing what you're going to do, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit, and eventually He'll stop talking to you about it, and all of a sudden you're wondering, why isn't God's presence around? There's consequences from turning our hearts against the Holy Spirit and His teaching. But the good news is is that every time He comes to you, you know, God would have come to me when I first gave my life to Jesus and said, you're not going to smoke, you're not going to drink, you're not going to smoke marijuana, you're not going to have sex with women, you're not going to... And give me a bunch of rules? I'd have gone, no way. My flesh would have recoiled at that. But that's not how He works. He comes in, He fills you with His Spirit, and He begins to change you. Within a few days, I realized I wasn't swearing anymore. It had nothing to do with me even like doing something right. It had to do with submitting to that process. And all of a sudden, you're different. You keep saying yes to God, and all of a sudden, He delivers you. 
And you're free from it. He delivers you from fear. He delivers you from sickness. He delivers you from ungodly anxieties and strongholds that have been in your life from when you were a little kid and you don't understand, how did this happen to me? You keep pressing into Him saying, God, what do I do? How does this work? When are you going to set me free? And all of a sudden, bam, you're free. But that involves denying yourself and saying yes to Him. That's all it is every single day. It's saying, God, what do I do? What do I do? How do I work through this? How do I get free? Fasting trains us to obey the Holy Spirit. Fasting trains us. It disciplines our flesh. We don't want to do what God wants us to do sometimes. I guarantee you that the first instruction that Brian and his wife obeyed was not sell everything and move to Indonesia. That wasn't the first instruction that the Holy Spirit gave him. The Holy Spirit gave him a bunch of instructions before that. Little things. Testing his heart. Saying, are you willing to do this? Are you willing to do that? And each step of the way is releasing encouragement to him. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to show you my faithfulness. So that on that day, when he heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go to the Philippines, he said, yes, God. Yes, Lord. You see, you don't go into the radical things of God from no obedience at all. You have to discipline your flesh. You're being raised up to be soldiers in the kingdom of God. This is not some ramshackle, just show up when you feel like it. You know, God doesn't have a plan. This is an army that God is raising up. And soldiers need to be disciplined. You don't send a soldier that's fresh out of basic training and say, I want you to go take over Iraq. And you just got out of basic training. doesn't happen that way. They put generals in charge of Iraq. And I want you to know how you, how you become a general. First, you're a colonel. And before that, you're, you're a captain. And before that, you're a lieutenant. And before that, maybe you were enlisted and you were a private. You start out as a private. And then you're built up in the kingdom of God through obedience. Fasting trains us to crucify the flesh and to say, you know what, flesh, you're not going to have your way. No food today. No food today. Now, I'm not talking about something that you generate on your own. We're going to talk about that later. Fasting comes from God. It needs to be initiated by the Holy Spirit. He puts it on your heart. It's not something that you do on your own. But it's a way of disciplining your flesh so that when God comes to you and He says, I want you to do this thing, instead of going, well, I don't know if I want to do that thing, your flesh is disciplined to obey the Spirit. Make sense? Okay. Go to 2 Corinthians 12.9. 2 Corinthians 12.9. We're still answering the question, why should we fast? Why should we fast? Why, is it, why does it matter? 2 Corinthians 12.9. My power works best in weakness. And my translation says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. How many know when you fast and you don't take in food into your body, it weakens you? It weakens you. You're weak. Anybody who's fasted more than, well, even a day, you can feel it as you get into day two and day three. Your energy level goes down. And when you're made weak, the power of God in you is made stronger. This principle applies. It is much easier to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit in that state of weakness than it is otherwise. So fasting helps us to hear God more clearly and to get direction from God more clearly. In our weakness... The power of the Spirit comes up forward and overpowers the flesh. And we're more sensitive to God's presence and God's leading. So that's another reason why we fast. 
Jesus commanded us to. It brings us to a place of intimacy with Jesus. It trains us to obey the Holy Spirit. And fourth, it helps us to hear God more clearly. That's what fasting does. The other thing that fasting does is it allows us to see ourselves more clearly. We each, our flesh, we had this before we came into the kingdom and to, to a, a large degree we still have it. It's, it's a natural defense mechanism of what we call the flesh. And when we say the flesh, we're talking about our, our natural carnal desires and our, you know, the way we want it done. You know, our selfish desires. When you fast, what happens is things that are in your heart will come to the surface. Things that are inside your heart that you can't see. We have a powerful self-defense mechanism. And what it does is it, it deludes us into thinking that we're a little bit better than we really are. I mean, I, I used to call it when I was in the world the marketing version of myself. I had a really good marketing version of myself when I was in the world. I thought I was all that. Oh yeah. I mean, you better watch because if I started turning, you might get hit with my business. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm serious. It was that bad. And so when I came into the kingdom, something happened. It was like, you know what? I don't want to live in the market. I mean, I would present to the public a version of myself, and then the, the version inside was something different. But I did that enough. I did the marketing version. How many have ever kind of made yourself seem a little better than you are or to- told a story and stretched it a little bit just to make, make it seem a little more, a little cooler than it was? Okay, well, I was an extreme professional at this. An extreme professional. The problem is you do that enough and you start believing the marketing version instead of the reality. And unfortunately, that's how many people in our culture live. Is they're living still in the marketing version of themselves. And so when God starts pulling the plug on different parts of their life, they're shocked. They can't believe that that's who they are. When he starts revealing the condition of their heart by the Holy Spirit, they go, you are kidding me, I didn't even know that was in my heart. When I fast, all of a sudden things start surfacing that I didn't see before. I would start fasting and God would start showing me. All of a sudden I'd like lose my temper at my kids like that. And he said, you see what I'm showing you? See, when you, when you start denying the flesh food, it starts making noise. And where it makes noise is an indication to you of what's really going on underneath the marketing version of your life. Tom started fasting one day a week. We do uh, a corporate fast, and a lot of the leaders are fasting one day a week. And when he started, it was an incredibly interesting experience of, of seeing your flesh, right? My daughter said, please don't fast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's still in the reality where there's, she doesn't want pain. You know, she doesn't like her dad being crabby and grumpy, but if she knew what was happening in the spirit, she'd say, Daddy, keep fasting. Daddy, keep fasting, because she doesn't know where this is going, but God does. God's using the fasting to bring stuff up. I remember I went into a long fast. It wasn't that far into it, but it was, it was a ways into it. And all of a sudden, I started complaining to my wife. I'm like, you know, you never pay enough attention to me. You don't give me you don't give me enough you don't give me enough affection. And I started getting mad. I'm like, I've really this is like God's showing me how you're not you're not paying enough attention to me. Oh yeah, I can see it so clearly now. And she just go in the other room and pray for me. And eventually what God did is he showed me that that was actually stuff that was in my own heart. 
that I had judgments against her and, and unforgiveness towards her for a season in our marriage where she didn't do that, but that wasn't what was happening then. And he was showing me also a part of my heart that needed attention from people, that needed attention from other human beings rather than from God. And he was just bringing it to the surface. I tell you what, if you start fasting in earnest, you will start seeing who you really are. Sometimes we really don't want to see. And so we avoid fasting. But he will show you. Luke 15, 17, I'm just going to tell you what happens there. The prodigal son, you remember the story of the prodigal son? He came to his father and he said, give me my inheritance now. Does that sound like the flesh or the spirit? I want what I want now. Would you? You're not even dead yet. But would you sell your property and give me my half of the inheritance? Can you imagine? That's pretty bold to go up to a living parent and say, um, "Would you guys mind like uh, selling your house and moving to an apartment so I can have my share of the inheritance?" But that's what he did. He said, "Give it to me now. I want it on credit." And he went through all these things and he spent all the money and he ends up in a pig pen and you guys know how the story returns. But what the scriptures say in that verse is, he said, even, my, even the servants in my father's house have food to eat. He said, and I'm out here going hungry. You see, when he ran out of food and he entered into an unwilling season of fasting, all of a sudden God showed him his condition. And he said, I need to go home. So you see, when we, when we deny ourselves, deny our flesh, all of a sudden we can start seeing reality the way it really is, the way God sees it, instead of the way it's been manipulated by our own soul and our own flesh. Just go to Luke chapter 4. So fasting allows us to see ourselves more clearly. There's something else that happens when we fast. Fasting releases the power of God and His kingdom in a way that nothing else I have seen releases it. And I want to give you as an example, we're not going to go there, but in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9, how many people remember the ministry of a man named Moses? Anybody heard of Moses? Moses went up to the top of a mountain and didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And, And the scriptures say he didn't even drink water. And what was released from that fast was God's law. The Ten Commandments were released out of that fast. So the whole Old Testament was based on a 40-day fast and somebody spending time with God coming out of the fast and releasing the kingdom of God and the power of God in the form, at that time, the Old Covenant in the form of ten written commandments. That was in the Old Testament. Flash forward to the New Testament. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now we're in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. As soon as Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit came up. The scriptures say the Holy Spirit came upon him with power. And immediately the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he went 40 days without food. And he was tempted by the devil. We're going to read about that later, about how Satan interferes with us fasting. He went into the wilderness for 40 days. Now, jump ahead to Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Now he's been, he's been tempted by the devil. Now he's coming out of the devil. And then it says this in chapter 14. It says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee. Listen to this. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Amen. He went into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit. After 40 days of fasting, he came out with the Holy Spirit's power. 
Soon he became well known throughout the surrounding county. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus' ministry started with a 40-day fast. The new covenant was released. The kingdom of God was released through a 40-day fast. Are you seeing the parallels here? The old covenant was released through a 40-day fast. The new covenant was released through a 40-day fast. Is there something about fasting that releases power in the kingdom of God? Go to Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Now, not every manuscript says this, but there are numerous manuscripts that do say this. Jesus had just come down and there was a, there was a man who uh, brought his son to the disciples. I'm just going to give you a little context. The man brought his son who had a spirit of deafness and muteness to the disciples. And you remember, they'd already been sent out and had been casting out demons and doing all these powerful works. And for some reason, they couldn't get this demon to leave this boy. They couldn't get him to leave this boy. And Jesus came down and he said, How long do I have to be with you? He says, uh, and then he cast out the demon. And later when he was with the disciples, this is what he says. in verse, Because they're like, what happened? Why couldn't we cast out that demon? What went wrong, Jesus? And he said, in verse 29, again, this is some manuscripts, he says, Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. Fasting releases kingdom authority that's not available without it. And I'm going to tell you from personal experience that the Lord has called me to fasting for certain types of demons to come out of people. There was a man who was up at big camp one year. He was like 330 pounds. I mean, this guy was mammoth. And I was in a prayer tent with another brother. Actually, the way it works is I went up and I got the guy. And as we're walking back, I just heard the Lord say, Deliverance. Now, we had been in a, I think it was a seven-day or, yeah, a seven-day fast, I think, before that big camp. God had told us, I want you, corporately, you're going to fast for seven days. And I didn't understand why, and I'll, I'll tell you why I was praising God afterwards that we had been fasting. This man sat down in the tent, and he's looking around, and, and I just hear deliverance in my spirit. We sit down, and we're like, we ask him a few questions. We're like, hey, Bob, how's it going? And, and finally, the Lord just gave me boldness. He said, Bob, I think God wants to deliver you. And immediately, he's, he's like, he started going, I really got to leave. I think my ride's leaving. And all of a sudden, he started manifesting like the demonic on him wanted to get him out of there. And immediately, the Lord came with his authority and said, no, Bob, I think God wants to deliver you. Don't worry about your ride. We'll get you home. And we started asking him some questions, and then immediately he knew exactly what we were talking about. He said, yeah, I know. I know who you're talking about. There's a demon in me, and his name is Seth, and he talks to me all the time. And we started asking him another question. He said, when I was seven years old, a neighbor kid came over, and I walked in my dad's study, and I got a gun, and I put it up to him, and I blew the trigger. Then I put the gun back down, and I sat and watched cartoons. And that's when that demon came into me, and it hasn't left me since. This guy was in his 30s or 40s. He had been to prison and, you know, finally gotten saved and given his life to Jesus and been filled with the Holy Spirit. But this thing was still in him. In fact, it was messing with him even while he was at big camp. And immediately, the guy that I was in the tent with and I um, were like, okay, this is way above our pay grade. (laughs) We're not prepared or qualified or equipped to handle this. And the Lord said, I'm going to release deliverance now. Pray, And we just started praying for him. And immediately he slumped over and the power of God came down. And you could just feel the authority of God just commanding this thing to come up off of him and leave him. 
And the guy that I was in the tent with could hear in the spirit, he heard a scream, like a demonic scream that just faded away into the distance. And that prayer went on for about 10 to 12 minutes, and all of a sudden he looked up and we said, Bob, how are you feeling? And he said, I feel like a thousand pounds of sludge just came off of me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Brothers, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. There are things you're going to encounter in your walk and, and part of this fellowship that will only come out and only be dealt with by prayer and fasting. So this isn't something that's optional that would be nice to have if someday we were super Christians. This is something that's supposed to be a normal part of our walk with God. Jonah chapter 3. You guys know the story. Jonah was a prophet of God. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to the, go to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of a nation, but at that time called Assyria. Assyria at that time was the most powerful nation in the world had been oppressing the Israelites. And so Jonah's like, I don't want to bring my message. And God was basically giving him a message to say, I want you to go to this city and call them to repentance. And if they'll repent, I'm going to spare the city. Jonah's like, I don't want to deliver that message. These are our enemies. I know who you are. If they repent, you're going to save them. How many have felt that way about your enemies? God, I'd rather you bring judgment. So, he, he, gets, he, he ends up running away from God. How many know that's not very effective? Running away from God. Okay? You'll end up in a fish or something worse. Okay? Just save yourself the trouble and stop running. Here is after the fish, he gets spit up on the beach, and God's like, Jonah, do I have your attention? Jonah says, yes, sir. What do you want me to do? Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. Always a good thing to obey the Lord's command. And went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed! That's a positive message. I'd probably welcome him if he rolled into the Twin Cities and yelled that out on a street corner. Huh? Wouldn't you go, whoa! We better get right. Yeah, right. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they decided to go without food and wear sackcloth to show their sorrow. Fasting is a way of showing real repentance. We can all sit here in this room, and we can have powerful moments of earnestly giving our hearts to God and saying, God, I'm sorry I'm doing this, I repent. But if you really want to demonstrate your sorrow and you really want deliverance from a stronghold of sin that's gotten you in its grips, then fast. Prove it. Let the rubber meet the road. Start fasting if you really want to get set free. If you do, God will honor it. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in sackcloth and sat on a heap of ashes. This is the king of the most powerful nation in the world at this time. And I don't care what your status is in life, you need to humble yourself before the Lord. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, may eat or drink anything at all. Everyone is required to wear sackcloth and pray earnestly to God. Everyone must turn from their evil ways You see that message? It hasn't changed, has it? Repenting. Turn from what you thought was right to my way. Now that I'm telling you what my way is, now now I'm holding you responsible. 
Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will have pity on us and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Listen to God's response. And this is his response to all of us if we're willing to turn to him in this kind of way. When God saw that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction he had threatened. Fasting and real repentance moves the heart of God. It gains the favor of his hand. You can change your destiny through repentance and fasting. Amen. Fasting makes your repentance real. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Here's what's happening. Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, um, I think the northern kingdom had fallen at this point. Israel had been split in two. Judah, the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat, here's news that an evil army is coming. Second Chronicles 20. He finds out that there are three armies that are marching against Judah. Now, at this time, Judah was not a great army. They were not powerful at all. These three armies would smoke them. Okay, In modern vernacular, they wouldn't have a chance against these three armies, and he knew it. Listen to what his response was. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazazan Tamar. Jehoshaphat was alarmed by this news and sought the Lord for guidance. Again, another hint. Nothing's changed. Remember Galatians 5.25? We're supposed to seek the leading of the Holy Spirit in every detail of our lives. Well, I'd say if three evil armies are on their way to destroy your nation and destroy your family, good time to seek the Lord. Good time to seek the Lord. He also gave the orders that everyone throughout Judah should observe a fast. Hmm. Must be something to this fasting stuff. It's got power in the Spirit. Now what you don't know is that, flash forward to the end of the story, the Lord comes upon a prophet and prophesies that God's going to give him victory because he liked how they responded to the crisis. Maybe you're going through a crisis right now and you want God to respond to it. Consider fasting. Consider seeking seeking God in fasting. Move His heart. Bend His ear to you. Move His hand. Inspire Him to move on your behalf. God answered in such a powerful way. He came upon the prophet. The prophet said, Just trust me. I'm, I'm going to win this battle. You don't have to do anything. Just go out and be in position. And so the armies of Israel went forward and they took up their position and said, I'll tell you where they're coming from. And he said, Okay, now just start worshiping me. And he says, and all they did is, is these worshipers that were out in front of the army said this, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And the minute they started worshiping, God sent confusion down on the enemy armies and they began to attack each other. And they completely destroyed one another. Yeah. And the scripture says that for the next, I think it was three or seven days. Man, I'm just butchering this. I'm sorry, Lord. But the point is that they, for the next three to seven days, just went out and that's all they did was take the loot off of the enemy army's bodies. They just took the treasure and the riches from these enemy armies and and were given a great victory. And you know how many swords they raised to fight? Zero. If you're looking for spiritual breakthrough, fasting, fasting brings spiritual breakthrough. You know, we're human beings. We like formulas, don't we? We like prescriptions. We like to know, well, if I do this, God's going to do this and kind of treat Him like a cosmic vending machine. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. All that God shows us is principles. He shows us principles, but the Spirit of God has got to speak to us and say, 
I want you to fast and I'm going to do this in response to that. Or maybe he just says, I want you to fast for three days. You have no idea what's going to happen. But if you do that fast for three days, he may show you what he's doing in the Spirit. There are fasts that I've done where I've immediately seen a massive impact of the fast. There are other fasts that I've done where I haven't seen anything. Again, it's not about spiritual achievement, though nobody can do anything unless the Spirit of God enables you. Fasting can't be done by the flesh. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to fast and be a super Christian. It doesn't work. If God doesn't call you to it, it's not going to prosper. It's not going to mean anything. So save yourself the hassle. Don't stop eating just to try and get something done. But seek the Lord and ask Him if He's calling you to fasting. Seek Him and ask Him if there's something going on in your life that might there might be breakthrough in fasting. Maybe He'll have you fast because one of your in-laws doesn't know God and He's going to use your fast to bring them into the kingdom of God. Or maybe there's a marriage that's broken up over here and God's going to call you to fast for that marriage. Maybe it's not about you at all. Wouldn't that be radical that we'd actually fast for the sake of somebody else besides ourselves, our own spiritual benefit? Do you see where this is going? Do you see what denying yourself and following Him looks like? But I'm going to tell you, it's in these seasons of fasting and cumulative and beginning to enter into a lifestyle of fasting that your intimacy with God goes through the roof and you're constantly in His presence and you can constantly hear His voice. This is all in the Bible. If you just do what He says, He does what He says. Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Don't make a show of fasting. And don't fast to impress men. If you do that, all the kingdom value is sucked out of it instantly. If you want to do your fasting in front of people and brag about how you're fasting, oh, I'm fasting this, oh, I'm fasting that, and I've done it, I mean, I've repented of it. (laughs) Believe me, I've been there. Because you start fasting, you think you're real spiritual. And God does some really cool stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm fasting. Oh, yeah, man, I'm in a 10-day fast. Oh, nothing for me. False humility, and you just happen to drop it you know, drop it in conversation. Oh yeah, I'm doing a seven-day fast. Don't make a show of fasting. Matthew chapter 6, who's there? Verses 16 to 18. If you're a religious person, you like to do things where other people can see them. Because then, then you're getting some kind of impact and gratification from the people that see. At least that's your perception. But truly spiritual people do things when nobody else knows about it. The only one who could possibly know is God. That's when you get the real reward. When you don't do it for show, but you do it in obedience to God. And nobody else knows about it. Now, is it possible? I mean, sometimes you're fasting for longer periods of time. It's not possible. You come to men on fire, you're not eating. Somebody asks you, are you fasting or not? And you say, yeah, I'm fasting. That's not what the scripture is talking about. It's not talking about you just sharing information if if your heart is right. What it's talking about is people who are intentionally trying to let it be known that they're fasting because their heart is they want to get attention and validation from human beings instead of God. You see the difference? It's very subtle. It's a heart thing. John chapter 4. I'm going to tell you what happens here. The disciples say, Jesus, they try and bring him some food and say, here, some food. Hey, eat, 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 eat. And he says, no, I have nourishment that you don't know about. I have nourishment that you don't know about. It comes from doing the will of my Father. Fasting is about spending more time with God. When you spend more time with God, you're not physically hungry. If you try and fast, and you just go about your day and your business like normal, and you do all the things you're used to doing, 
it's not going to avail anything because the whole idea of fasting is denying yourself and your selfishness and going and spending time with God. That's the place where you're going to receive nourishment during a fast. God will supernaturally fill your belly if you spend time with Him. And if it's a fast that's been called by Him. How many people could testify to fasting and not being hungry? Okay, I'm telling you, if you, but the important thing is that you need to spend time with God in His Word, in His presence. That's where your nourishment comes from when you're fasting. If you don't spend time with God, you're going to be a really whiny, complainy, fleshy, carnal, icky brother. Still love you, but you're going to be real stinky. You've got to spend time with God if you're fasting. Luke chapter 4. Verses 2 through 4. Luke chapter 4. Verses 2 through 4. I'm going to tell you what happens here. Jesus was fasting for a long period of time, and the scripture says he was hungry. Satan comes and he says, Well, if you're the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? The lesson for us and the principle for us is this when you start fasting and entering into a lifestyle fasting, Satan will come and tempt you to break your fast. There's been many, many times where I've been on a three-day fast, even a one-day fast, and all of a sudden I'll hear this little voice in my head going, Oh, you can break that fast. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was God. I'm going to go break my fast. And I've broken it. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't until I got into some longer fasts where... Because I was doing that for a while. God would give me a fast and I'd fast and every single time I'd break it before it happened. Why did Satan want to do that with Jesus? Because he knew that the effect and the outcome and the spirit that God wanted would be broken if he broke the fast. There are certain things that are going to be released through our fasting that if we don't fulfill it, it will not be released. I'm not talking about sacrifice. You know the, the, the place in scriptures when they're when, when uh, Samuel is talking to Saul, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. We're not talking about just entering into random fasting that isn't ordered by the Lord. But if the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, I want you to fast for a day, I want you to fast for three days, then do it. And when you do it, something's going to be released. But expect the enemy to come and try and tell you, it's really only a two-day fast. <laughs> It got so bad with me that I would almost I would start to get my wife involved. I'd start to say, hey honey, I really feel like God's releasing me from this fast. What do you think? And she had just been with me for the last three days, just like his daughter. And she's like, oh yeah, I think God's releasing you from the fast. And I'd break it, and later God would say, I didn't release you. And so I had to go back to her and I said, Honey, you really got to tell me the truth. I mean, I appreciate your sacrifice while I'm fasting because you got to be with me while I'm fasting. But after a while, all those flesh issues start getting dealt with and you can actually fast and actually be in the Spirit. And she recognized that. And so she started realizing, Wow, I got to be a real witness. And so if you're wondering if you haven't been called to fasting, particularly around the area of fasting, if you feel like all of a sudden God changed, you know, he called you to fast a day a week and all of a sudden you're hearing only a day a month. That's the kind of situation that you should get a witness in the Spirit from your wife if you're married, but also from another brother. Because guess what? Our flesh is not in the... My flesh doesn't get in the way when Tom McKean's called to a fast. 
I just want to hear God. You know, he's got a little bit of a conflict going on, wouldn't you say? Isn't there a little conflict of interest when you're trying to hear whether God's releasing you from a fast or not? And your flesh is going, Ah! Feed me! So that's why we have each other. Come and come to a brother and get prayer. Call him up and say, Hey, would you pray? Do you have a witness that God's releasing me from this fast? Nine times out of ten, he's not. He has released me from fast, but nine times out of ten, it's not God that's releasing us from fast. It's the enemy. Or our flesh. Lastly, on fasting, I just want to talk about the kinds and types of fast that we can enter into. It can be as little as a single meal a day, but generally it's at least a day. In the Old Testament times, they would fast from sun, sunset to sunset. It would be a 24-hour period. It can be water as well as food, but generally speaking, water fasts don't go more than three days. Biblically, Esther did a water and a water and food fast for three days. There's been others who did fast from water and food. The only one that isn't like that is Moses supernaturally didn't have food or water for 40 days, which is just totally impossible. Actually, a 40-day food fast is totally impossible too, water-only fast. It's totally impossible without God doing it. Um, there is a brother in this book. If you haven't read this book, it's called The Heavenly Man. Um, if you haven't, you should read it because it will absolutely ruin you for Jesus. It will totally ruin your life for Christ. It's about a house church leader in China who went 76 days without food in a, in a Chinese prison. And Did he go without water too? Without water. Without food and water for 76 days and lived to tell about it. Only possible with God. That is totally impossible. A human being cannot survive 76 days. He asked God to kill him, and God wouldn't. Because he wanted us to read this book. And if he would have died, we wouldn't have it. All right, so if you don't have this, pick up a copy. It's here. It will challenge you and how difficult you think it is. Daniel fast, you guys may have heard of that. That's when you just abstain from rich foods. A lot of times it's just fruits and vegetables for a Daniel fast. But again, you know, there's different interpretations on that. I'm not saying that's I wouldn't build a theology on what what a Daniel fast is, but it's just denying yourself certain types of food. There's other kinds of fasts. You can fast from sex. The scriptures in 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5 say, Husbands and wives, your bodies are not your own. Husbands, your body is your wives. Wives, your body is your husbands. But if you mutually agree to abstain from sex for a period of time to get closer to God, then that's permissible. So you can deny yourself from sex when you're in covenant. Hopefully, if you're not in covenant marriage, you're denying yourself sex anyway. Other types of fasts, again, these are non-biblical, but I believe that the Holy Spirit has called people to these kinds of fasts. Media and entertainment. You can fast from media and entertainment. You can also fast from sleep. You can fast from sleep if God calls you. A lot of times God will wake me up in the middle of the night and call me to pray. I just declared a sleep fast that night. Okay? And He's done that before. Just want to say something about breaking fasts. If you're going to fast for three days or more, I really strongly suggest that you seek the counsel of the Lord on how you're going to break your fast. I am infamous for not doing that, and so I can stand up here and testify to you. It's not a good idea. Um, I got off of a very long fast, and the first day, God gave me grace, and I ate like guacamole dip and pesto, which are not recommended after a long fast. I was emboldened after I broke this fast, and I was at Target getting something for my wife, and I was just like, wow, it feels so good to have different foods in my mouth after that long period of time. 
I'm like, man, those Target hot dogs look so good. I'm just going to have a Target hot dog. And I went over and started eating a Target hot dog. And about two-thirds of the way through the Target hot dog, because I'd so sensitized to the Holy Spirit at that point, I just heard a, no. But it was too late. And for the next three or four days, I did a lot of repenting in the bathroom. Really, for real. I wanted to say something to you guys. That was, that was the, the long fast that released the gospel of obedience message. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to release a, a message on obedience, and then you're not going to bother to check with me before you break a fast? He's not playing with stuff like this, and he's doing it for our own protection. He was trying to protect my body from going into shock, which is what can happen if you don't do it according to the Spirit. So, breaking it with fruits and vegetables or soup, stuff that's really easy on your digestive system, that's the way I would start, but seek the counsel of the Lord because He knows your individual bodies and they're different. Generally, it's easier when you're fasting with someone else. When you enter into a corporate fast, if you're going to fast, I want to tell you something, that God has challenged us as a ministry, and I believe this Men on Fire group to enter into what we call a lifestyle of fasting. In other words, we don't just fast for big breakthroughs and stuff like that, but, but God's calling us and saying, I want you to just operate in, in a lifestyle of prayer and fasting so that when I want to do things, it's just going to happen. We don't, we don't need to like ramp up and go, okay, let's be super Christians this week because big camp's coming up. We just we walk in that reality, and so we just go to big camp. And I'll tell you, this year is the first time God has not called us to a corporate fast of like, three to seven days corporately for big camp because he said, you're walking in a lifestyle of fasting, just go right into big camp. All the leaders in this group are fasting one day a week at a minimum. One day a week, a lifestyle of fasting. And we're going to pray here and we're going to ask the Lord to speak to each of us if he's calling us to a corporate fast or to a day of fasting a week, or whatever he might call you to, is he calling you to fasting? Are you being challenged by this message to say yes to God in a fast? You know, there's a lot of Christians, I've met a lot of really mature Christians who've been walking with God for a long time, you start talking about fasting and they leave the room. I mean, they're just like, it's like they don't want to see it or something. I mean, it's everywhere in the scriptures. This is just normal Christianity. And there's a reason for it. It's not that God's trying to punish us. He's got all these benefits and blessings and greater intimacy with Him that He wants to release. We have someone connected to this ministry fasting every day of the year. Every day of the week, there's multiple people from this ministry fasting for you guys and for the breaking in of the kingdom of God throughout the Twin Cities. I just want to challenge you and encourage you to be part of that. To be part of that. To be part of something way bigger than yourself. It's way easier when we're doing it together and you're saying, Hey man, I'm going to be on Thursdays. And Brian, I know Brian and Carlos have been blessed by this. They fast on the same day. And so they get together sometimes and pray and just kind of you know, pray for each other as they're going through their fasting day. And it makes it a lot easier. Why? Because you're not just out there on, a, on an island doing something by yourself. You're in here. We're all doing this. We're all feeling like God wants to release His kingdom in the Twin Cities. And we're right in the middle of it, but we've got to say yes. You have to say yes. That's the only thing you've got to do is say yes.